Hey, welcome to the John Papaloni Show today. Today we have Emily Pike on the show. Emily, welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. I usually start off the show with a brief bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Sensational. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Emily Pike, and I am the founder of Bear Thrills, which is a sustainable performance underwear range uh, that is specifically designed for women who live their life in motion. So it's whether it's in the gym or on the job or just keeping up with a, a busy lifestyle. Um, we've, we've developed a underwear range that is breathable, moisture wicking, quick drying, made from a recycled fabric. And so all of those combinations make the perfect performance underwear. And my partner and I, who's the co-founder, uh, my beautiful fiance Liz, uh, we sat down one day and we decided that one, we couldn't find any underwear that was good enough for how we like to train, the diversity in how we like to go for a run, we like to do weights, we like to do CrossFit, which is quite functional. And two, uh, our underwear is always an afterthought when we're going through, when we're laying out our active wear or our gym wear that we're going to wear the next day. We always think that our underwear is just whatever we grab from our top drawer, but yet it's the closest thing that we wear to our body along with a sports bra. Um, so why are we not putting as much thought into our gym underwear as what we are the rest of our gym attire? So we were already doing this for our active wear, so it made sense that we developed basically a range because we couldn't find anything on the market that we liked. We tried almost everything we could get our hands on. So it made sense that we took the same methodology for active wear and we turned it into an underwear range. Um, so our underwear is made from an active wear grade recycled fabric. That is very interesting. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's been a great journey and um, it's it's not really something that for a first business that would launch that would go in and go, oh, I want to make underwear. But it just turned out that way. Um, and I think because we're passionate about, like we're two active women um, and we're passionate about trying to find comfortable underwear, I think it just t it turned out well and it just um, set us on the right path. Mm -hmm. Makes total sense. Now, let me ask you something like, I mean, because you guys work as a partnership and even from my own experiences, partnerships can be difficult sometimes. Yes. Have you guys had uh, any of those struggles? How do you like, because I'm, I'm sure you guys are not 100% all the time, you know, on the same page. And how, basically, how do you deal with disputes? Um, so my partner and I, we were actually best friends before we fell in love. Uh, and we actually used to work together as well. So we've, we've already worked in that dynamic of working in the same workspace and living together. Um, so we've really found our strengths and our weaknesses and we really work to them. So I love networking. I love creating. I love developing. I love like, launching a product. Uh, and my partner, she's really good with writing the emails, writing the blogs. Um, she's very good with wording. And, and we just really work to our strengths and we have found that also when it comes towards the evening because it's quite important to separate business from everyday life sometimes you, you need to set boundaries which is something that I'm working on right now so when it does come time towards the evening so about five six o'clock it's okay phones down laptops down no more business talk unless it, it, it's quite important we have dinner 
we we do what we need to do. Um, we we don't often watch a lot of TV, but we just like to spend time together, and it's just really making sure that we make the time for each other away from the business. Right, and, I, and that would be important. And I love how you said that. You guys are you know you know play to your strengths and stuff, right? Because I, I found that if everybody wants to uh, do the same thing, that's where the but, where people butt heads. That's what it comes down yes, to. Absolutely. Right? So, if you guys have your own roles, it makes things a lot easier. Yes, yeah, and it, it definitely it definitely helps that we've been in a uh, I, I work a balance work life balance before, where we've we've worked together in the same workplace actually over two years. It was around about four years, uh, different workplaces, but still together, and we we still work really well together. I'm very lucky that I have found someone that. Um, we, we don't, we hardly argue. And when we do, it's probably just about something silly like housework. So we just, again, work to each other's strengths, weaknesses and communication is definitely what we found. Just makes this process a lot easier and, and makes us work well and live well together if we're communicating really well. Right. And with that being said, right, like uh, there's got to be conflict at some point somewhere. Do you guys have a system? Like I, when I say conflict, I don't necessarily mean arguments. I mean, just where you guys want to go different directions. And, yeah. you know, because like you said, you try not to bring it home after hours. So mm-hmm. what ends up happening if you're in the middle of a discussion and it's sort of that climate part of the discussion, but your days end in your home? How, yes. How you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, and again, it's it's another challenge that we we've found um, quite a good workaround. So I, I like to think of our relationship as, um, and I had my friend explain it to me once. So imagine a kite, someone holding a kite, and the kite's off, and it, it needs to fly, it needs to do its thing, but the person holding the kite's the anchor. So I imagine myself as the kite, the person that needs to go off track. Like I'm, I'm a very big entrepreneur at heart like my whole life is just around creating and trialing things and so I go off and I I'm the kite flying around my partner basically um she balances me out so when when we come into like a bit of a uh disagreement with something I think she's more so the voice of reason and I'm more so the let's just do it let's just decide and then we'll plan after we've decided that we're going to do it so we, we haven't actually been in a situation yet, <laughs> like it is early days, um, and I imagine that it, it will be there, especially with how the business is growing, but we definitely um, balance each other out and, again, communication and being a voice of reason and always listening to the other person I think is super important. It's not just your side, it's always well, what other possibilities should we explore? And that's, again, really important part of being in a relationship that's also a partnership. Makes sense. Now, going back to the beginning here, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask, like, growing up, like, I, I'm sure we've all been taught the same thing, go to school, get a good education, to get a good job. And some of us just know that's never going to happen not in that order, not in that way. Some of us will give it a try and then get into entrepreneurship by accident. Some of us get into it because they just can't take that route and they just need to do something about it. So when you were growing up, what did you think you were going to do and how did it transform? Like, how how, how did you get that moment where you're going to say, no, I'm going on my own? Joanna, actually, I love this question because when I was going through school, I I grew up in Tasmania, Australia, 
And I really enjoyed school, but not for the educational purposes. I, I just had a good time at school. Like I, I wasn't a naughty child, uh, although my teachers may disagree, uh, but I was a prefect um, in year 10, went through year 11 and 12. And then year 12 hit for me and all of my friends had really good grades. Uh, mine went terrible, but I just really wasn't interested in sitting in a classroom and learning for 90 minutes every session for however many sessions you have a day. Um, so they were all going off to uni and it felt like they had a path and I didn't because I was just like, okay, so I'm, I'm not going to go travel and take a gap year that everyone talks about. Uh, I'll get a full-time job and I worked at a place called Harley Norman, which is uh, sales and electricals, um, which I think was a really good starting point for me because the skill of having sales and being able to sell yourself, talk to people is a very important life skill that I would recommend to anyone, definitely young children that are, or young kids, teenagers going into their adult years. It's a very great networking skill. So I worked there um, at Harvey Norman for about a year and then I decided that I wanted to move state. So I moved to Melbourne, uh, Victoria. And again, I was like, what path am I on? I think my parents are getting a little bit worried. Um, I'm not really going here nor there, but I'm still like, I'm in a good job. I'm still very good at my job. I excel again. It was another sales job that I just moved straight into. Uh, and then I ended up getting a, a job within the government um, because I, I need I thought that I needed to make a career because that's what we get told. You go to school, you get good grades. I didn't have the good grades. I wasn't interested in going to university, which I could study online with the grades that I had. Um, so I was like, okay, what next? I guess I'll make a career in the government. Um, so, and that was a great, that's still a great experience. I still work um, in the government. Um, and Beth Rules is our side hustle, as they say. But the entrepreneurial kind of first, I like to call it, has always been there because I've, I've always been thinking about how there's so much more to life than, than the path that I was on. I always like to look at my supervisors or their supervisors and think, do I want to be like them? Do I want their life? Do I like how stressed they are? <laughs> like the tasking that they are given, would I be good at that? Would I be interested in doing that? Um, because for me to excel, I, I feel like I need to have passion uh, purpose and then really potential. So I need to find potential in what I want to move on to. So um, I started, I guess, my entrepreneurial kind of journey when I, in 2016 when I just developed an app. I thought of a, an awesome idea as just putting an advertising tool, uh, developed the app, absolutely knowing nothing, launched the app, um, and then I had to go away for work for nine months. And that kind of put the app on the big back burner and then all the updates happened and then you had to market avatar and I just didn't honestly have any time. So I launched something and I kind of saw that as my first failure into the world of being an entrepreneur. Uh, but lucky enough that I'm quite a resilient person and if there's anything being an entrepreneur has ever taught me resilience. And so I did look at that again as a bit of a failure point but because I, I built something, I put so much time into it, launched it, and then it went nowhere. It, it just didn't go anywhere. And uh, again, for uh, that was for reasons out of my control. So then I waited a few years, still working in the government, still going away for work. Um, and then I kind of really got, during COVID, I really got interested in starting up my own business. So there are so many courses out there. It, it was a little bit like there's a lot of white noise and 
like, wow, anyone these days could just literally buy a product uh, from China or India or anywhere, buy them in bulk and then sell them to people unbranded, just making a website. I was like, anyone could really do that. So I did look a little bit more into something similar to that, but it doesn't really have that um, what I've been searching for, which is building my own brand, building a legacy, developing a product that adds value to people. And sustainability is quite important to us as well. So they're adding those values in there and having that at the core of the brand that I build. Uh, so Bear Thrills is basically our first um, business and our first brand that we've just made from the bottom and we're scaling up and we're just seeing where it goes and we're learning along the way. So that was launched March this year, uh, but that was a 12-month process into development of the product, uh, launching the business, marketing, advertising, and I did a few online courses, but honestly, I've just gone into it and just learning along the way. So much trial and error, and that resilience really comes through at the end of the day, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, you, you said some a few key points there. Now, one of them was the fact that, you know, like you went through failure and you didn't let that stop you. And another thing I noticed is that, you know, you have a trait, which is very common with many successful people, which is you tend to not focus on things you can't control. You just deal with it and move forward. So that is key things. And that is great. Right. Because a lot of times, a lot of times people let those things interfere with themselves. And, you know, the number one reason to not start is is fear let's be honest right so you didn't let that stop you which is great and and that's the thing right so like clearly you tried the entrepreneurial thing it didn't work and or at least not to the way you were hoping you went back to the workforce in a sense and then you got out again because you just realized it just wasn't you so in a way you know having a government position and leaving government position to go do your own thing some people consider that really brave now, I'm sure there was, you know, a lot of scary moments there. With yes. that being said, so I have two questions for you. During the whole process of getting set up and having, you know, because you're into products and it's not like, mm -hmm. like a service business where you develop a website, you flick a switch and you're open. You obviously have that development stage. What was the most expensive one and uh, expensive part of the stage? And was mm -hmm. there ever a point that you started doubting yourself and wondering why you were doing it? That, that's a great question and I think many entrepreneurs uh, have experienced this all throughout their journey, even the ones that scale to multi-million dollar businesses. I think we always get a point where we say, are we doing the right thing? Are we on the right path? Should we just leave now? Like, can we go any bigger? But um, so for us, the finding the manufacturer was definitely a hard point. Uh, so when we launched completely bootstrapped and to this day, it is completely all of our money, um, which makes it hard because we're going into this with our life savings. And to a certain extent, uh, definitely if you read the statistics, it's 95% of businesses fail within the first five to six years. Uh, and, and those statistics can be scary. They're always in the back of your head saying, well, what makes me in the 5%? Um, and so we came up with um, a, a plan and a strategy. And a, a, again, that's been altered along the way, but I'm a very structured person. So I find that if I come up with a, a strategy and it's written down, I will even subconsciously make those moves towards getting to that end goal, whatever the 
the goal is or whatever the mission is or the vision like I, I just need that path and I need to create that path myself so finding the manufacturer was definitely the most expensive part because originally we were going to an underwear manufacturer which makes sense because we're making underwear but they were doing exactly what we didn't want and they were doing they were making the underwear that we originally didn't enjoy wearing uh, for our workouts so we have to change this up so we actually went to a gym wear or active wear manufacturer because we wanted our underwear to be active underwear basically performance underwear and then a lot of manufacturers never respond to you uh, if you if you write to 10 you'll probably get one or two if you're lucky if you're very lucky um, and we got quite lucky there, but that was a very expensive process. We got thousands of dollars worth of samples with materials that we were trialing because we wanted to try with cotton, bamboo, all those natural materials first because of sustainability. Um, but they're not very good for working out if they're not quick drying, they hold smells, um, they're not um, exactly moisture wicking. They're good for the day to day, but not exactly what we were specifically designing this underwear for. So that was the expensive part and the learning curve samples uh thousands of dollars basically and that this was just for one to two pair at, at a time we'd make the adjustments something would go wrong and um but then along the way i think that i like to call and everyone i think experiences this at some point and sometimes you can use it to your advantage and sometimes it does hold you back but imposter syndrome is real especially with being uh, an entrepreneur uh, and many people would feel it in their fields as well that that does set in so sometimes every day uh, i work from home by myself like my partner she still works um, at her full-time job in the city so I, i've come to really recognize what those emotions are that i start to feel and what the triggers are that start to make me doubt myself um, Sometimes I'll be very excited about something that I'm about to take on. And then it's it's basically the longer it takes to get to that point that I want to get to, because I'm a very like things need to happen now type of person, the more I start to pull away and start to doubt myself. And also I've noticed that I need to get out of the house. So I start to get cabin fever the longer I'm here, the more I start to go, maybe maybe I can't do this. Maybe like I start to feel alone. As being an entrepreneur, if you do it by yourself, even with my partner, it can feel like a very lonely journey sometimes. But I've really started to identify what it is that really makes me doubt myself and I still definitely have the moments. I still go, why would people buy our underwear? Um, or you get one person saying something not ideal about your brand and it's just like, well, maybe they're right, even though 50 people have said great things about your product and how they love it, but that one person gets to you more than, you know, those 50 great reviews. So I definitely have found how to deal with that. And for me, it's definitely taking a moment outside of the house. I, I have my non-negotiables every morning. I wake up, I go to the gym. So I have that energy output, which sets me up for the day. I have breakfast, I sit down and I and I work for a few hours and then I the disconnect at night. Uh, and I should really take up meditation as well because that's definitely something that my brain needs, um, that moment of arm throughout the day. Makes sense. And, and that's the thing, right? Like you said, the doubt is always there. And I mean, thank mm. you for explaining that because I was going to ask you how you dealt with it. So I think we all go through that at points. And you're right. Even mm. when you're working with someone, it's 
that loneliness can always be there. And sometimes it can even be there when they're in the same room. Yes. Right? It's, yeah, it's, it's incredible, right? Like, I, and I'm sure you thought this, there's times you're there, things are going great. You're jumping for the moon. Think, mm-hmm. you know, never a better place. And then there's other times you just look at yourself in the mirror and go, I must be nuts. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's, um, and I think that it's looking back on how far you've come is always something that you should be proud of. And it's always something that you should take a moment, celebrate the wins, no matter how big or how small, because if you don't, you're always just on to the next task and you don't enjoy the journey. And really it is about enjoying the journey. Uh, at the end of the day. So I, I need to remind myself of this constantly. Being a go, 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 go person, I really need to take the moments and just enjoy them. Yeah, you said the two key things there. It's about the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like I always hear everybody saying, oh, this didn't work. I didn't get there in time. And it's like there's some rush or something. And and the reality is everybody wants to get to the end zone, right? But yes. let, let's be honest, we're human beings. Our end zone is actually death. So why would yes. you want to be at the end? <laughs> You yeah, know what I mean? Like, exactly. you gotta enjoy the process, enjoy it. Like, yeah. the I, I think, and this is the way I think, is the whole point is to make a mark in the world, right? And, and, and that's part of the journey. You know, at some point in time, you're gonna be building legacy, mm-hmm. right? So, that, that's the whole part of the journey, right? And, and, and that's the point. And that's exactly the whole point of it, it is that journey. And if you can't enjoy the journey, then, the, then why do it? There's no, it yeah, just exactly. makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So, Awesome. I love how you said that. So with that being said, what would you say to someone who is listening and is in their job and they feel that they're in a dead end job, but they're very scared to take the leap? Oh, there's so many things that I could say. Um, Because I think that the biggest thing that I like to to say and to to think to myself is that uh, growth never comes when you don't leave your comfort zone. So being in the a job that you're not enjoying or that you are enjoying but there's no real next level up, and that, that is for some people, um, it's just to kind of explore what the options are. And, and, and I always think that you should definitely do this while you're in the security of your job because having that safety blanket there really takes the pressure off and it really could stop you from making a silly mistake. So even if it's just dropping down the hours or the day so you can give this a, a red hot crack, so maybe working four days a week and then having a three-day weekend, but then you've got more time to work on this passion of yours, whether or not it be a product-based business, service-based business, or just something else that brings you some more joy and that uh, really helps you with um or, or is putting you on a path to where you you want to be or some goals that you've set. So my advice would really be is that it's never just to take the leap with both feet um, unless you have that safety and security blanket kind of there because, unfortunately, um, passions, until they start to make a profit, don't pay the rent and the bills. <laughs> so you always need to look after yourself. And then uh, out of that, you can always have some other mental health issues that come from money struggles and stuff. And you don't want to do that to yourself. So I just always believe that um, doing something kind of that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable but excited at the same time um, really helps you leave that comfort zone, which then growth happens. So that that can happen within yourself, growing and uh, exploring. Uh, and then that can also really 
make you slowly see that there is other things, you know, explore those passions. And I think having more of a purpose or finding your purpose is one of the most key important things that you can do in this world. And that's the, you will notice a difference from going to a nine to five job that you don't like to finding something that you are excited about every day and that you are finding this as your purpose to add value into the world will get you jumping out of your bed every morning, excited to crack on with the day. And I, I think that that is one of the most important things that we can really do in this short life of ours, which um, you're just here for a blip of time. And I think that it, it's just to, to find that thing that gets you up every day and, and find your purpose and your drive. Yeah. I love that. Now, you know, I found it unique because I've heard so many times people say, oh, well, you just got to jump off the cliff and uh, find your landing and whatever. Right. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, if you're not if you're not doing it full time, you're not all in. And you know what? I think there's valid points to both sides. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it really depends what your business is. Now, if it's something that requires you to be there 24 seven where you have a plant factory going around 24 seven, mm -hmm. you probably couldn't do it if you weren't full time. But most businesses yeah. aren't that. Most businesses mm -hmm. are something where people have passion or something that usually start, start off very small and, mm -hmm. and is done one on one and then grows out. And if yeah, that's absolutely. the kind of business, then you can do it part time mm -hmm. and have your full time income support you in the meantime. Yep. Yeah, and because I some people work better with their, and I do, I work better with my back against the wall. Like I, I'm a solutions-based person, so I, if I were to get out completely and just say we didn't have my partner's income to support me, like I, I would find a way, and I'm very passionate about underwear now. It's it's my life. Um, but I just think that taking that pressure off, especially when I have a, a partner and, you know, we want to start a family one day, you you, there are things in life that we just don't want to give up, like we still want to see the world, then we need to make that slow kind of move. But my business is still my everyday and that's still what I live and I breathe. Um, but I still am committed to a job and I still um, give that what I have. And I just uh, don't think it's always going to be one or the other. It never has to be. Like it could be a slow adjustment and that way it's just as long as you're moving forward always moving forward into what you want to do. I think that that's, yeah, most important. Makes total sense. Now, if was there a point, have you experienced a point where, you know, something just went so well that you feel like you reached what I call that aha moment, like as in, I'm, aha, you know, I'm here. I am right where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. It's going well. Maybe I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm on that path. And this is it. I was, I've, I've got it. Did you have that a moment yet? Uh, I, I think I actually have, I have had moments like that. And I'm just looking back now on the journey. Um, and I think that that aha moment comes when you see one, you get the reviews from your customers saying that they do love the underwear. It is doing exactly what it's designed to do. And that's like, aha, we are onto something and we have created, uh, it's a non-biased opinion of how great our underwear is because we've had it worn by so many different um, women and the diversities in how they train. And so that's one aha moment. Another one is when um, 
I, I would say like we were in Women's Health magazine, for instance, and you'd reach out to them and then they would tell you like, uh, they they took us on, we were in the magazine, we've been in three magazines now, and it really aligns with their audience and their audience is basically our target market and that aha moment is just like, okay, so we're progressing forward. We've just um, pretty much got the approval from our community to say the underwear is great and now we've gone one step up. We have the approval from a, a very big platform, Women's Health, which again is our target audience. And then we're just progressing and, and we've got more people saying, when are you coming out with your next range? Um, we, wanna, uh, we want your brand to support our next CrossFit comp or we want your brand to support this. And, it's, uh, and that's basically what we decided to build the brand around, which is community as well. So that aha moment has definitely hit a few times and that can be just as small as supporting the local CrossFit or soccer comp or just creating a brand that's really does what it's designed to do and it's fit for purpose. Uh, we've had a few along the way, definitely. And uh, they're, they're the ones that kind of block out all that imposter syndrome and you go, aha, uh -huh, I'm on the right path. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to charge forward. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely love it. Now, which brings up the other point of inventory. Right, because let, let's face it, you're into underwear, and there's all different body shapes and sizes and whatever. And mm -hmm. if you had to stock one, you know, you had to stock a bunch of everything, you're gonna have a pile of inventory that's just sort of sitting there, and then you're gonna have orders that you can't fulfill because you have to get more of something. Because you know what I mean. So how do you deal with that inventory? Uh, so at the moment, um, because we're currently in New Zealand for work, uh, all of our inventory is in my mum's house and my mum is actually our warehouse lady. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and she, she loves this. This is uh, definitely um, something that she put her hand up to, to do and, and she's been great with uh, doing all of our warehousing. So we currently only stock one range and I think it was extremely important for us to go to market with one uh, minimal viable product, MVP and test it as market research, test that uh, this is exactly, we've done the cut right, we've made the material right, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we do have quite a fair bit of stock because of the minimum order quantities and soon within the next few months, we will expand our range into another cut, uh, still in women's and it does get quite a lot and there will be a point where we will have to take on like a 3PL and that, that's also for, for time purposes as well. So one, because my mum has a life and she also uh, works with my stepdad in their business, but uh, two, it's because the 3PL just becomes more efficient and it, it, we want the underwear and the postage to get to the person wherever they are around the world as quick as possible. So. As we start to scale, we're definitely going to need to look into those. And I think it will be as soon as we hit our men's range, which we're looking around 18 months to two years for our men's range. Um, okay. Because every every product we, we create undergoes a lot of testing. It undergoes um, around about 20 to 25 women from all different backgrounds, all different sizes, all different ways that they train. And we just give them the underwear and we say train for two to three weeks, put them through the wash, put them through the dryer, just really just do everything you can to test this underwear. And then we get together and we put together a focus group and we're like, okay, what can we fix? What do we need to change? What's great about them? Um, if this, why would you buy this above another brand out there? So 
every range undergoes that testing, which then means that it, we are a little bit slower to market. And again, being completely bootstrapped, like we are a, a little bit costly with the minimum order quantities, but we are growing and the demand is there. So now we move on to our next range, which, yeah. So I guess my mum's looking forward to having around about 10,000 pairs of underwear at her house. <laughs> That's awesome. See, I love it there. You, you just described the strategy, right? And many businesses go out there and you ask them what their market is. And their answer is everybody. And yeah. reality was if you're serving everybody, you're serving nobody. Yes. Right. So it's one of those. I love it. You, you knew you had a certain range. You had a certain mm -hmm. target. And you're not saying you won't serve other targets. You're just saying mm -hmm. not right now. We're yes. going to build yeah. on this and then we'll expand out. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is a great strategy. And you're pretty much focused and that's the way any business should do, it should be because you can't you can't do everything for everybody that's that's the quickest way to broke yes right? so, absolutely yeah absolutely mm. love that message so with that being said we're getting uh, to that time where i want to uh ask you a couple more questions before we get into what i call the lightning round <laughs> so question number one is how do you know you've had a successful day I think the, the feeling of accomplishment at the end of the day, you, you know, when you've accomplished what you need, basically the yeah. energy loops. So we know that there are tasks that we don't want to do, or there's small tasks that are always on our mind and they're just, they're energy loops. So I know once I've closed off enough of those, um, and I feel accomplished at the end of the day, that, that that's been a, a great day. Or even so, I tried to take at least one day away from the, not 100% away from the business, but a few hours. I'll take my dog to the beach. I'll, I'll go do something out of the house. And those days also make me feel very accomplished. It doesn't always have to revolve around getting business stuff done. It just has to kind of leave me feeling, feeling good towards the end of the day, not completely drained. Love that answer. You know, not one person. I have asked that question, has ever said money. Oh. Okay? So, which <laughs> yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Because, right? I mean, it, purpose and awesome. drive isn't revolved around money. No. Or, how many times yeah. do we hear people say, I'll be happy when oh, I make this yes. or I make that, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Second last, well, last question before the lightning round or second last question is where would people find you? Um, so physically, I'm in New Zealand, <laughs> um, but Bear Thrills is on www.bearthrills.com, um, as well as on Instagram as Bear Thrills underscore underwear. So you can see, you can, um, see our growth. We, we post a lot. We're also on TikTok. We need to get more personable with our social media. Um, my partner and I don't really love being in front of the camera as, as much and just discussing our day because everyone wants to kind of know the journey of businesses. And yeah. we have a big journey. We just don't love being in front of a camera and telling out everyone about it every single day. So, yeah, we're, we're on um, definitely online. And here's our underwear here, as you can see, very stretchy, designed for purpose. Um, and you'll be able to see when we drop new ranges. Uh, we are available only within Australia and New Zealand, but we will be expanding over the next uh, 12 months, hopefully to the US and the UK. Fantastic. And last question before the lightning round is, any last piece of advice for uh, entrepreneurs or uh, 
people who uh, want to do a side gig? Um, I, th I think it comes back to passion and purpose and, and potential. I, I really think those three Ps are a great way to look at if there's something that you're a little bit uncertain of, but it does excite you and you can see how it adds value um, into the world and or to other people. It doesn't just have to be, again, globally. It could just be a small niche of people that you, you really see that this could add value. I, I think that you should launch with a an MVP, a minimum viable product, it's just as market research as we did, one range, um, small quantities, and then just, just market it how you would and through social media or however, whichever avenues your target audience would be and, and just really test it out. Like it, it, there's not as much to lose if you really one, are going to be there and are passionate to drive it forward, and two, if you are just able to test it on the market and see if, if your audience is, if it's something that you really want. And, and also asking the question, getting people that you know and people that you don't know to test it out, and then you're you're really able to see if there's a need for this and ask for honest feedback. That's why I don't really like to go to family and friends because they always just say, oh, it's great, it's good. Like you, you need strangers to be brutally honest with you because you learn the best from that brutally honest feedback. And it's, well, I don't like your product. Okay, well, why don't you like the product? And then we can see how we can fix it because, again, body shapes for us are all different. And we can only personally comment on our own body shapes and how the underwear fits for us. But how does the underwear fit for sizes on either end of this scale? So, um, yeah, I think that passion, purpose and potential and if you've got those then launch with a, a minimum viable product and then you'll be able to test to see if it's really, uh, if there's a need for it and if, if you've actually as excited about it as what you originally thought because sometimes I, I get excited about many ideas that I have and then when it comes really down to it I start to back away a little bit and I go, oh, maybe Maybe I'm not as excited about this as what I am about underwear, for instance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. So getting into the lightning round, which is just a, a few uh, fun questions. Mm -hmm. Like we'll start off with what's your favorite food? Uh, chips. <laughs> I, I can get on board yeah. with that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love chips and gravy, probably my favorite food. And then um, bags of chips, I can just nibble at them all day long. <laughs> with uh, any type of flavor like that you, do you particularly like the most or is it sort of anything? It doesn't matter. Uh, yes, I am a chip connoisseur, as I like to say. So uh, it's usually not barbecue, but there's ones in Australia called Sandboy Barbecues, which are amazing. And then we go down to light and tangy and then, um, yeah, a few more. I've got a big scale of probably my top five chips that I enjoy eating. That makes sense. I love it. I love it. I'm a uh, ketchup and uh, uh, salt and vinegar fan. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's funny. Um Second question is favorite vacation spot and why? Um, so my favorite vacation that I have actually been on would probably, even though I live here, I love Queenstown in New Zealand. I think it's such a great, definitely during winter, like it's very busy, but a great tourist destination. Um, but I would really love to go somewhere that I haven't been before, uh, which is Japan. Uh, oh, that's where okay. we're we're probably going to spend our honeymoon there because it's just somewhere that 
it's just so different to everywhere that's around us in Australia. And I just, I, I love their culture. And I, I haven't been up towards Asia yet, other than Bali, but um, yeah, I want to go further north. Interesting. That's awesome. Um, third thing would be favorite book. I'm not much of a reader, John, but I, I am, I have started. Um, at the moment, I'm reading two books. Um, High performance habits and okay, yes, 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 yeah. Um, that's actually been sent to me from my trading mentor, um, and he's he's a fantastic man. And I, I, I'm through. I'm going through that at the moment. And then the other one is How to Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, yeah. Both are great books. Love that. Um, now, last or oh, second last question. Favorite mm -hmm. podcast. Um, favorite podcast? Well, yours, of course. Well, of um, course. and, <laughs> um, I listen a lot to at the moment, currently actually Jay Shetty on purpose. And the other one is I do love female startup club. And that's just because I like to hear one, the journey and two, they can always add value into the beginning of my journey and, and how far a lot of those women have scaled and, um, they've all experienced the entrepreneurial kind of life and they really add value into my mornings because that's when I listen to my podcast. Yeah. Makes sense. Now, mm. last question, but not least is if you had an unlimited amount of funds and you could do whatever you want, and you were given 48 hours to do whatever you want with no repercussions, mm -hmm. what would you be doing? I would retire my family, so my mom, my dad, and my brother, and, <laughs> and my partner's family. Uh, I would invest a lot of money straight into um, crypto index funds, stocks. I would, I suppose it's 48 hours, so it's not really much to maybe close a property. Um, but if it was, I would close a few properties. And, yeah, I would invest a lot of money because if it's taken away from me within 48 hours, um, I suppose that that's still quite a bit of time to put some funds somewhere and then after the 48 hours then um, make some great investments out of there. Uh, and, yeah, I don't really think I would – can't close a house. I don't really think I would go and buy that much materialistic things, I guess. <laughs> Which is awesome, right? It goes to show you that the life is beyond the materials. Like yeah, well, maybe I would pay for uh, our next stock order quickly before the 48 hours dried up. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome, awesome. I want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been quite a delight. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, I, yeah, I absolutely love the show, and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. If you like what you see and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.